Jeremy. I told you, you're a very good singer. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it now because it's, it's, I just want the compliment. Right. Here, though, <laughs> and you, here you go. There's, uh, can I give it a plus one or a like? Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. I'll take you all get the stuff. virtual emoji, sir. I love it. I'll take virtual emojis. Hey, bud. How are you? I'm doing all right. I've had an interesting week. How about yourself? You know, Jeremy, uh, it's been an interesting week. It's just, uh, you ever have one of those weeks where you felt like you just wanted to be one of the guys? I often have one of those weeks where I just want to be one of the guys. So I guess we should just dive right now. Do you want to watch one of the guys? Now, as a reminder, I'm Jeremy. I'm our Gen X host of this segment to my buddy of the millennial sort, JT. And what we do is I pick a movie that I remember seeing on cable like a hundred or so times, haven't seen it since like the mid eighties and try to describe it entirely from memory for our friend JT. Today's movie is just one of the guys. It was released on April 26, 1985. It has a Metacritic score of a glowing 57. And it's basically a movie with a whole bunch of randos in it. The only two names you'll recognize are, get ready for this, a young William Zabka of Cobra Kai, of Cobra Kai fame. Okay, sure. This was his follow-up movie to The Karate Kid. Oh, no kidding. And also a young Sherilyn Fenn of Twin Peaks and other fame. This was also her second movie. The other interesting one, while there's no Billy Zane in this movie, there is a Billy Jane in this movie, and he doesn't seem to have acted again. So I just thought that was fine. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so to give some context, I'm pretty sure this is one of those movies they've sort of remade or have a, a similar story in the millennial audience generation. I'm not 100% sure. But I'm also not completely sure I remember the primary plot of this movie either. I, I really, really thought I did until I was trying to go through it. And then I got really stuck somewhere. So I know most actually that's weird. I know a lot of the beats, but I don't know the actual main thing, the driver of our story. There's this teenage girl in high school. Maybe she's at a new school. Maybe they moved to a new town or she transferred. It's something like that. And the primary plot device is the thing that's kind of escaping me. So I might be making up a good chunk of this, but the girl wants to do something. I'm thinking maybe it's like play football. I, for a lot of this, it, I was pretty sure it was football. It could be another <laughs> sport. It might not even be a sport. It could be the yearbook club for all I remember, or maybe it's just like protesting against like rights of a teenage girl. I don't know, but she's not allowed to do chess club. I don't know. But it's because <laughs> she's a girl. And in fact, actually, I don't necessarily know this, that she moved to a new school, but maybe there was just some new thing she wanted to do, like I don't know, debate club. It's boys only. Anywho, she's got this crazy scheme. I think she like drops out of school or maybe pretends to get mono, but she dresses up like a boy. And then she registers for school and starts attending the same school as a boy. Hilarious. She tries out for, I want to go with AV club. Is it AV club? It could be AV club. <laughs> Anyhow, of course she gets into whatever this thing is because now she's a boy. And, okay, I really think it's football. Anyhow, she's on the team, whatever, and she's pretty good. She's good at whatever the thing is. And she's making friends and all that good stuff. And, you know, she's talking with a deep voice and like guys do and makes like fart jokes or something because it's the 80s. And she's fooling everybody. But the whole time she's got this double life thing going on and she's always almost getting caught, like a lot. Like, I just remember that, like, you're always braced with, like, somebody's going to catch her. And 
I don't really remember. She's got some like girl fails for her or him or her. Like she's popular with the dudes because of course, I don't know, fart jokes. And I think maybe there's like a crotch grabbing scene or something like that. Anyhow, she's also met this girl who thinks she's a guy. So like this girl's got a crush on her and like now she has to make up all these excuses why why she doesn't want to date. But eventually the girl like tricks her into going on some kind of a date. Now I, I think it's like a drive-in movie or maybe maybe like one of those like makeout spots, which were really like a main plot point of most '80s movies. And I, you know, they aren't as popular anymore. Like up on a on a hill overlooking the town, kind of thing. Yeah. Anyhow, things are getting really tricky. She just can't juggle it all. One thing after another, it just breaks. She's I don't know, losing friends, her grades, family, even the other kids in Model UN. Uh, I don't know, they don't <laughs> like her or him much right about now. Finally, there's one of these like meltdown moments, like all the things go wrong at the same exact time and she outs herself, uh, but nobody believes her. So something happens that, let me tell you, teenage me will never forget to this day. She takes off her shirt and teenage boy Jeremy was like, ah, oh my God. And I won't dwell on this, but I will say this is a moment because remember, there was no internets in 1985. You didn't get a lot of this in PG-13 movies at the time. So I won't dwell. We're going to move on. But now everybody, of course, I don't know, hates her. But she redeems herself because she has a really good performance at the math competition. And yeah, <laughs> all is well. I think she even now dates the guy that was her best friend when she was a guy. And she becomes friends with a girl who tried to kiss her. I don't know. Would you watch it, JT? Um, oh, man, I love that description so much. Uh, I would watch this probably. Now, am I right that there's like an uh, Amanda Bynes movie of some kind? Yeah. So, well, well, so let's get to, so as the fringe millennial, let me get to my big question. Okay. So there's okay. a couple of things. So as part of the, as part of this, I did watch the trailer. Right. It's the only thing I do is I look at the cover art and I watch the trailer. And, and by the way, and, and I do not, I've seen nothing of this right. movie in you know, 40 years. <laughs> Right, which if you've seen this movie is clear by the description. However, (laughs) so two things happened. One, I've seen this movie. Never would have known, couldn't couldn't have hit even a third of what you got right just then. But this has been on and I have been in the room. So here's what you missed just on my memory and the trailer. Okay. She wanted to be a journalist. Oh. So she wanted to write for the school paper. Yearbook club. Yeah, basically, that's why I started laughing when you said yearbook club, because I'm like, he's pretty close. That's basically it. Uh, The only thing that you definitely miss is her brother plays a big role in this, and there's a boy that she really likes, and that's how she, like, outs herself, is Uh, the boy, she wants the boy to know that she's not a girl, or that she is a girl and not a boy, and that's when she, like, she's she's at a prom and takes her tuxedo top off, and he goes... Are those? She goes, yeah. And then cut to black because I didn't see the rest of it. She's wearing a tux because in my memory, she's wearing a jean jacket. It's a tux. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're at like prom or something. Ah. I think. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. I buy it. My big question for you is what's a better version of the gender swap thing? Tootsie, this, or Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield and Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> uh, it's definitely Tootsie. Yeah, clearly. We could also throw Victor Victoria in the mix. There's a number of them. Are there enough for are there enough for a whole episode? Uh probably not. No. All right. 
But my my version, as the fringe millennial version of this, Ladybugs was kind of this. It's it's the same kind of romp, except it's the other way around, right? Jonathan Brandis, outcast in school. He's got a stepdad who's trying to be like a better person. He's the coach of a girl soccer team. Jonathan Brandis dresses up as a girl because he got cut from the boy soccer team. And then like, you know, hijinks ensue. Uh, but I am impressed with how much you remembered, considering you were definitely like you were a teenager who I'm sure has not rewatched. This. No, no. And I you've hit like from what I remember of again, it's very easy once you watch the trailer, you'll be like, it'll it'll trigger a bunch of things where you'll be like, oh, yeah, this, 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 this and this. But it was funny because you said it last week, and I'm like, definitely never heard of this. And I got about seven seconds into the trailer and went, oh, I've seen parts of this for sure. Nice. And then got to the same teenage boy moment with Jeremy where they show that part because there's not an actual trailer. There's like a recap, I think. And got to that part and went, oh, I remember this part. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, uh, we have covered our Would You Watch? And the answer is, well, yeah. yeah. You'd watch it now? I think I'd watch it now, just for fun. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll tell. Yeah, I, I'd I'd give it a run just just to see what's going on. All right, I like that. So we'll we'll walk right into our next thing, which is our top five. Um, unlike that particular film, which although cinematic masterpiece, it is uh, one of the guys. Don't think it would fall into the category of this week, which is based on a true story. So this week we're gonna do. Top five based on a true story movies. Now, two big caveats. One, as usual, we're going to be aggressively liberal with the based on a true story. So we always kind of make up our own rules when we do these things. So for this week, based on a true story doesn't have to be it's an exact replica of a true story. It could be tangentially a true story. It could be wrapped around a true story, whatever. The other big thing, because this will be a list in the future, is no sports. No sports. No, no sports. sports. All right. I actually, I, I actually didn't cheat on that one this time. Okay, good. <laughs> but you know, it is really. I like to think of the word based on a true story more like inspired by a true story. Yeah, I had a feeling you might go that route. <laughs> uh, actually, only one of my picks. No, they all. No, they all fit the category accurately. But one of them, in enough research, was shown to be a little less. Uh, strict to the definition is sort of a, an amalgam of stories per se. We'll get to that. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. You, you're in, not going to kick it. it off the list, but, but when, when we talk about it, you'll know what I mean. Okay. I appreciate it. So what we'll do as we always do is the Shawshank test. So very quickly, Shawshank test, the most rewatchable movie of all time is Shawshank. So that one is just removed from both lists immediately. Is there anything this week, Jeremy, that you think is a Shawshankable movie for based on a true story? First of all, could you imagine if Shawshank was based on a true story? I be, wish it was. That would be so meta. That would yeah. be so meta. <laughs> now, before we dive in, JT, I'm, I'm going to ask for a small, small space in the podium for just a sec, like three seconds, more like about 45. Sure, have it. I want to get real for just a second. And I know we keep the podcast really light and fun. But given the category, I'm taking a moment because I read this article this week. Basically, just about one in four young Americans don't know anything about the Holocaust. So I don't want to go get into that at all right now because this is a very happy place for me. And obviously, the Holocaust is not one. So I'm going to argue for a second that uh, Schindler's List is not only the Shawshank of the category, 
it's like a whole different pedestal that I want to put on there because unlike so many other movies based on a true story, Schindler's List is telling us something that we absolutely need to pass along to others. And these are important times for people to be aware of the darkest parts of our history. So I just want to leave that out there and then flip it around a bit because this is the day before Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And in celebration of that and conjuring the spirit of a sweet new year, I want to move right back on to having fun here on the Wingman Podcast and just leave that where it was, if that's okay with you. It is. So I, I, if, I, if I may, I want like five seconds. I text you early in, earlier in the week in talking about this and said, I need a really hard clarification because if we're doing best versus favorite, there's one that I have to include if it's best and not favorite. And this was it. Bingo. So I'm right there with you. And listen, my friend, Shanatava. Thank you very much. <laughs> Now, moving into the fun space, I do actually have one that I would consider a uh, a Shawshankable entry for us. Do you? Interesting. So no, similar to last week, because we're in the favorite realm and not the best realm, and with respect to what we just talked about, I actually don't, I thought I was going to run without one, but I'm interested. Why don't you give me the one that's definitely probably on my list? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident this movie's on your list, sir. And that's why, that's why it made it here. Uh, I would argue that of all the movies based on the true story, the one that would be on both a best list and our favorites list uh, is Goodfellas. I didn't include it in my top five. Interesting. All right. Not yep. Shawshanked. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So, okay. Well, um... <laughs> you know what? Given that I get to be first this week, I'm just going to open with Goodfellas. Do it. Because, you know, now that I've said that, there's not really a way to guess. And by the way, it's funny because while I was trying to structure what clues will I give you to guess on, I I can't get more than like three actors or actresses and zero plot points until I until I get got you there. And they were basically Paul Servino, Michael Imperioli, and Lorraine Bracco. I thought maybe Michael Imperioli would like skew you because he's got a bit part. Maybe. You know. Yeah. But the only thing is, like, honestly, I would have known by the date. Right. Uh, We've done enough of these podcasts now that I would have been like, I know that date. <laughs> so for the person who's never seen Goodfellas, it's a true story about a gangster named Henry Hill. Here's some crazy fun things about this movie. First of all, Scorsese, prior to making this, had said he was never going to make another gangster movie. And then he was handed the book. And he basically cold called the writer and said, and I quote, I've been waiting for this book my entire life. Uh, and then the writer of the book, a man named Pelegi, re- replied by saying, I've been waiting for this phone call my entire life. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, isn't that cool? <laughs> Other good things to know about are, are one of our favorites here. Henry Hill, who the, the movie is based on, he went around after the movie came out while under the Witness Protection Program and told everybody, hey, that's me in that big movie over there. <laughs> At which point, (laughs) the federal government kicked him out of the Federal Witness Protection Program. They're like, we can't protect you. Sorry. Good luck out there. Uh, And he seemed to be fine. He also said that Robert De Niro apparently was phoning him seven or eight times a day to discuss nuances of the character, like how did Jimmy hold his cigarette kind of things. Love it. Uh, and then the last one is one of the most iconic scenes in the movie, the How Am I Funny, didn't actually happen in the story of Henry Hill, it actually happened to Joe Pesci. It is a true encounter while, while, uh, while working at a restaurant before he was an actor, apparently 
some mobster was uh, at his table. Pesci made a comment that he was funny and the compliment was met with, quote, a less than enthusiastic response. And that's how the- That is hilarious. I didn't know. I've never known. I assume that had to be like taken right from one of the like scripts of that's hysterical. Now, last thing, did you know the movie sort of has a sequel? No. It does. And it's not actually a sequel in any sense other than it is the continued story of one Henry Hill. There's a certain movie, which is in one of my like rewatchable favorite comedies. Never makes like that top five cut, but it's definitely out there. You know the movie My Blue Heaven? Oh, yeah. Based on Henry Hill. It is a technically, I don't know, spiritual success. I don't know what you would call it. But it is the same character uh, in the huh. movie, and some of those events are true. I, I like the yeah. So first of all, I don't know if this is a thing, but spiritual sequel that you almost just said—that's a thing now for sure. Yeah, like I like it being a spiritual sequel. I had no idea. I have definitely seen that before. And just so we're clear, I have this. I just want to be very clear before all of your movie fans get on my case and be like, "He doesn't know what he's talking about." I have seven that I've done this for today for our top five in case there was crossover. This is number seven specifically because it was going to be your number one or two. Mm. It, w- it wouldn't have actually been my number one if I hadn't brought it up for Shawshank contention, just so we're clear. And also I'm not always in the same ranking order as you are. So it's one of the midst. That's true. All right. Let's, let's hand it off. What's, what's your, what's your first. So. I'm going to go, I'm going to start with one that's a little bit on the heavier side, but it's okay. It came out November 20th of 2015. Go on. Uh, I'll give you Rachel McAdams to start. I don't know. You know, there were a whole bunch of based on true story movies in that, in like the last decade that are very heavy, like your Dallas Buyers Clubs and things like that. Sure. So I'll give you, okay. So Tom McCarthy's the director. Okay. And then the my favorite piece of trivia, and it might be the only trivia I really go into about this in, in detail, but the main character um, had the actual guy that he was playing read his lines between every single take because he that's how important he thought the cadence was. Interesting. Mm, I'm looking at my list. It's got a 90 on Metacritic. Okay. Uh, is it the Hurricane? No. Okay. Spotlight. Oh. Yeah. Spotlight. Go ahead. So here's here's why. Okay. So six Oscar noms, two wins, motion picture, screenplay, obviously based on a very true, very horrible, not to go into detail story about. I actually don't want to do a bunch of trivia. There's a lot of it out there if you're interested in the, the minutia of the story itself, but like this is not the place for it. What I do want to spend a minute on though is the actual, the way they decided to put this film together. So this is a extraordinarily difficult and heavy topic. And putting this on film is hard. And it was acted so brilliantly. And it was paced really, really, it was slow, which I thought in this movie was important. Like it, they had to, the, the pace had to match the outcome. Right. And it had to be thoughtful and take time and be heavy. And regardless of the, the horosity that is what the subject of the movie is about, their ability to layer in the emotion and the the fear and the concern and the community aspect of it it's really kind of like a like it's a really important movie 
And it's a really important thing that happened. And it's one of those things that in for better or worse, kind of similar to how we, we open. And again, why I don't want to spend too much time on this because it is more lighthearted. Like, I'm glad it exists. Right. Because it's a thing that you need to watch that needs to be watched for a long time and was done so well that people will watch it. And it, it's a huge, I mean, Ruffalo was so good. Tucci was so good. Keaton was so good. Like this was incredibly well put together for something that is a story that deserves and needs to be told and remembered and was done so in a really good way. And so for that, I, I kind of felt the need. I want to throw a shout out to The Big Sick, which was the other one that was going to be towards the bottom of my list, because even though not as many people love that, it has an 86 on Metacritic. That is a beautiful story and way more fun than this. But again, weighing the severity of it and, and how well done it was, I, I did want to put it on the list. So there it is. Spotlight. Nice. By the way, my Metacritic average of my top five is, uh, I think, like an eighty-seven point five. If when I when I did the math, uh, mine's uh, close to yeah. that, if not higher. So I'm going to. I will confess because I think we're going to talk about this for a moment. JT and I should should disclose something. This was a very very difficult list for both of us, and we were texting over the past forty-eight hours. The quantity of times my my final contenders changed. I mean, all the way up to a few hours ago, I was still struggling with eight eight final fives, what, like two hours ago? And so how to really whittle them down. Uh, I'm going to save the ones I whittled off until Contender Pong time. So I'll go with yep. what was my, my, my final entry to the list. I'm going to save the three that I had banked for the end. So okay. August 11th, 1993, an 89 on Metacritic. Uh, a rare 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Stars, I'll start with some of the, the lesser uh, known parts. A William H. Macy. A Tony Shalhoub. I love saying Tony Shalhoub. Laura Linney. Joan Allen. I think I can go through the whole cast. You might not even get it. I don't know. I think you should get it at the end. Uh, last three, Larry Fishburne. I call him Larry because we're buds. Uh, <laughs> I was like, are you guys buddies? Larry Fishburne, <laughs> Benny Kingsley, and Joey Montaigne. Um, 93. Mm. For some reason, 93 is really throwing me off on this. I honestly don't know that I know this. Oh, I, I'm I'm confident you know the movie. And and it's it's funny because I, I really I struggled for one second with it because it's not really it's not a sport, but in so many ways, this is basically a sports movie. The director is a Stephen Zeilin. I don't know how to pronounce this because this was his first movie. His third movie was Civil Action with your favorite man, Mr. John Travolta. And that was about the end of his movie making. He's written many movies since, but that was the end of his directorial uh, uh, work. Uh, All right. The movie is Searching for Bobby Fischer. Oh, yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, You don't like it? Okay. I love this movie. I, I think I actually have this on my sports list, and I, I, I struggled with it for the same reason. That's fair. I debated, but as much as I'll fight for so many other things being sports, I can't put chess as one of them. That's yeah. a reasonable argument. That's fair. So, uh, great, great movie. It's one of my favorite. I watched it with my kids recently. They loved it. It does it does the sports thing so well. Uh, it does fictionalize a little bit. The the coach guy uh, was not uh, as much of a jerk, apparently. In, in fact, he was well-loved uh, in real life. Just a couple of quick interesting things on this one. Josh Waitzkin, the movie, the kid the movie's about, first of all, did eventually get a U.S. championship. 
He then moved on to learn Aikido and became a world champion. He then moved on to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and got a black belt. He then wrote a book called The Art of Learning, which was a bestseller. And this is his whole thing is he, he believes that anybody can absolutely master anything. He's wrong, but he's done quite well at the things he's mastered. Uh, also, there's tons of chess player cameos, apparently, this movie. Like if this were a sports movie, you would have seen like Yager and Patrick Roy in the background. And maybe even a little Vinnie Dampus. Uh, remember, it's 93. No Gretzky or Lemieux because right. they were too big for it. Like you didn't get the, right. you didn't get the top of the, of the list. But you got a bunch of, bunch of cameos. And uh, actually, the kid who played him, Max Pomerank, was actually one of the top 100 young chess players in the country when they did the movie. They specifically wanted an actor where the motion, funny enough, just like in sports movies, they want someone who can actually pitch they wanted someone where playing chess didn't feel stilted. And over the course of making the movie, every actor learned how to play chess, including Joe Montana. That's cool. awesome. That's really good. That's a good one. I love that trivia. I didn't know a lot of that, which makes that movie way more fun. And it's also, that's a great flick. Like, that's a really good I enjoyed it a lot. And I like that it's just like every, every sports or anything real good story. It's got its conflict. It's got its downturns. But they're kind of short they're poignant and they move on. And I like that a lot. I don't, I have a hard time. Some of these movies, they dwell in the darkness for way too long of the story. This one does a nice job picking it back up. So I like it. Search of Bobby Fisher. Love it. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go to December 25th, 2002. I know the movie. What is it? The movie is the first movie on my list, sir. Really? Do you concur? I concur, Doctor. Okay. Yeah. So if it's honestly, if it's your number one, I almost want to give you the grace of this. It's all yours, buddy. I'll just add some, okay. I'll add a couple of notes as you go. It's a great movie. Okay. So catch me if you can. Uh, the phenomenal story of Frank Abagnale Jr. Uh, so two Oscar noms, this cast, right? Amy Adams, Jennifer Garner, uh, James Brolin, Christopher Walken, Martin Sheehan, and then obviously Tom Hanks and Leo. Spielberg directed 75 on Metacritic, which I thought was low for this. I agree. Very low. It's my lowest one by a lot on my top five. And I was like... It threw the numbers off. Yeah, genuinely. And I'm like, undeserved, by the way. This is easily in the mid 80s. Easily. It, it's funny you say that because I was in the same mindset and, and I was like, all right, at the end of this, I'm going to have to take some time. I got to go find out why it scored so low. And I still have not yet had that time. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really weird to me. So there's a lot of fun trivia on this, which I, I don't want to go too deep into, but. So Frank Abagnale wasn't actually on the FBI most wanted list. That kind of made me laugh because he's not a violent criminal. Uh, so the actual Frank Abagnale Jr. was the French officer that arrested Frank on Christmas Eve, which is one of my favorite Love parts it. of that movie. I did actually know that. So good. Uh, so 80% of the book is completely true, according to Frank Abagnale Jr. So like that, that the book is what obviously spawned the screenplay, which that's a lot for this Pretty because good. a lot of this seems kind of weird. Uh, the, the biggest things I thought were interesting were Depp was supposed to be – he was the first one and Gandolfini was going to be Hanratty, which is crazy, crazy because this movie with Depp and Gandolfini – is way different. Uh, the other things I thought were, were interesting is this was filmed in 52 total days, which totally blew my mind. And then the biggest one is that Dustin Hoffman was originally attached to the screenplay in 1981 when it started getting shopped in Hollywood. Wow. That's how long it took to get this movie made. But the, I, I didn't know that part. part. The, uh, the thing that I thought was crazy is, is not only was it filmed in a short uh, uh, amount of time, 
they filmed in 150 odd locations to make, I mean, how did they even logistically? Right. I was going to say just getting travel done in 51 days with the amount of locations is incredible. Yeah. Amazing. So the, the movie itself, the only thing is I want to touch on quickly is super exciting and there's no cheap tropes in this. Like everything, it's super exciting. There's no like gun violence or weird things or big explosions or Michael Bayham, none of that. It's just like you're on the edge of your seat the entire film and never ever is there any like huge, like big reveal moments. Uh, I, I wrote, this movie is delightfully conflicted. I, you never know who to root for. And even though I've seen it a thousand times, even during the movie, it's so well done. There are still moments where I'm like, I don't know. He's really not a great kid. <laughs> he kind of deserves bad things to happen to him. And then the last thing I want to say is like, it's oddly touching. Frank and Carl Hanratty's relationship, like that whole the Christmas scene and that whole kind of deal is really, really like, that's really touching. Frank and Brenda, who's Amy Adams' character, is really sweet and how he like kind of like leans into that family. Frank Sr. and his wife and then the heartbreak that that goes through. There's just a lot of like raw sort of emotion in this that's really, really beautifully done. And I just I'm such a big fan of this movie and easily so high. It's so highly rewatchable. Super, super rewatchable. I, I might one of my notes on it was it's basically just like. The, one of the most fun true life stories. Like that's, it's just a fun movie. I had a little note to myself and I, I, it's got a question mark. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it at this, but I'm going to put this out there. This might be, this might be Spielberg's best work. Might be only because of the amount of beats, like the emotional range is strong. Like he does a lot in here that he doesn't do in other movies and I, I, I would watch five more movies like this one. And I don't mean it has to be a cape or whatever. Just the pacing, the style, the cinematography, the music, everything about it was just really, really well done. So great choice, JT. Uh, hey, thanks. So, and, and the only thing I had that we didn't do, the original score is by? Mr. Sir John, not Mr. Sir John Williams. Sir John Williams, yeah, that's right. I think that's it was right. like their 20th co- uh, collaboration together. Uh, by the way, it was also the seventh Tom Hanks movie in a row to gross over $100 million. So Take that, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, that's pretty bankable. Uh, there was a whole thing on actually him taking the part, knowing it wasn't he wasn't the lead, and him basically saying to Spielberg, it's like, I want to do this movie, and this is a great part, and a great part's a great part. And I thought that's, I mean, again, as long as there are no Tom Hanks scandals, the world's going to be oh. okay, right? Yeah, him and Betty he's a, White. He's a treasure. It's him and Betty White. All right. So moving on to next on my list. So did that count for one of mine also? Because I've got lots of backups here. I think you should do a backup. Okay, then I'll go to my first backup rather than my top two. So the the last one to get cut from the list was also released on December twenty fifth, but this time in twenty ten. Okay. Eighty eight on Metacritic. It stars Michael okay. Gambon, Guy Pierce. Um, the rest of the cast will give it away, I think. Maybe I could say Helena Bonham Carter. Here, here's the okay. fun one. Directed by the guy who did Cats. Oh, Tom Hooper. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is uh so the King's Speech. That's this is this is on my this is on my list. There you go. Uh, and yeah, so Colin Firth and uh, and Jeffrey Rush, of course. So for some reason, yeah, I have a completely different date release for this, which is probably just because I did it wrong. Yeah, 
But this is like this was this was a contender for nine, my number one, so that's fair. <laughs> it's it's just a great movie, and I actually only had a few notes on it because it's such. It, I don't even know how much there is to say about it. It's it, it's there's something about I, I look. I'm a sucker about two different things that happen in movies. One is the general like overcoming big obstacles. Uh, you know, I, I guess we all are in, in a way. Uh, I also really like super inspirational leaders. I like I like the big. Bill Pullman's speech in Independence Day. I love those moments. And so this kind of has both of those. And so, like, it's the overcoming the obstacle to become that amazing leader. I thought it was like, it just touched me in that great way. The score is beautiful. It's by uh, Alexander Desplat, who I didn't know has done almost 200 movie scores by now. Here's the coolest piece of trivia and the only piece of trivia I wanted to bring up. Apparently, after the film was over, Colin Firth. Uh, had to lose the stutter he developed to do the movie and actually required a, uh, a speech assistance to get back to normal speech patterns. I just thought that was really yeah, interesting. That, that was my, that was the piece of trivia I was going to end with because that is the most method thing of all time. Yeah. Like you developed a stutter. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not, it, it's like, that's like Daniel Day Lewis, Christian Bale style of things. Yeah. That's, it's just hyper method. So the the only thing that I if if I may if I add can add to this just for a little bit. So aside from the movie being brilliant, which it is, uh, I also just like Jeffrey Rush was so good in this. He was so very very good in this. Um, I want to give a shout out to Danny Cohen. So Danny Cohen is the principal photographer in this and director of photography, and he has done Victoria and Abdul. He did Danish Girl. He did Room. He did Pirate Radio. He did Florence Foster Jenkins. His aesthetic is so beautiful. Like this film is gorgeous True. to watch. Gorgeous to watch. The lighting, the lack of lighting. Like there's something about this that, and it's very much his, it's him. Danny's, Dan, again, like him and I are buddy, like you and Larry are. <laughs> but like Danny Cohen, he just has a very specific look and feel, but it is so realistic. There was something very realistic about this movie that you felt like you were in those rooms, even the camera movement, the way that things moved in and moved out. It was just a really, really good job. Uh, it's an 88% on Metacritic for a very good reason. I was so happy that it won a bunch of Oscars. I was glad to see that first got it, but you know, how did Tom Hooper do cats, man? That's the big question. <laughs> I have no idea. And, and by the way, you know, the movie I didn't see that I like just talking about this, I realized I have to actually go see is uh the uh what's it called our darkest hour the darkest hour oh the ch yeah churchill yeah did you ever see that it's one? A, well it's because i saw so i saw churchill but not that one because okay. two churchill movies came out in the same like three months it was like the our darkest hour and churchill came out and i think i picked the wrong one because our darkest hour is supposed to be the better one. so it's like the whole mars uh, uh the, the mission to mars and, and the other mars movie or armageddon and deep impact but, yeah. but except about yeah. churchill except about churchill right that makes sense. All right. What you got next? So I love that movie so much. I might keep it on my list. So you might get to double up, but we'll see. So I'm going to go with October 31st, 1997. This cast is hard because it's a huge cast, but I'll give you Luis Guzman to start. Okay. And I'll give you, because he came up already once, William H. Macy. Nothing so far. Okay. One of the, if I give you the director, it'll give it away. 
It's an 85% on Metacritic. The piece of trivia I'll give you is one of the actors fired their management after seeing the films because he was so mad at this. And then he won many awards for his performance in the film. Wow. In 97. I'm looking at my list here. I don't know what I have from that time frame with those actors. All right. you, You got me stumped, bro. Paul Thomas Anderson, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Yes. How did this not get anywhere? Mm. <laughs> totally forgot about the Boogie Nights. I had even talked about Boogie Nights this week. <laughs> uh. So the, so just to be clear, so Paul Thomas Anderson's one of my favorites of all time. He's just like, PTA is the best. Uh, mm. I like him. I said my favorite. I know. I'm just giving you some crap. I, <laughs> I, I find him very hit or miss, to be honest. I find that he's done a few things that I just think are a little bloviated. But let's go on. Yeah, yeah. That's we can. We can. I, I'd be open to having that discussion because he has done some stuff where I'm like, now you're just doing what you want because no one can tell you Ooh, no anymore. Top, but that's okay. top five directors. Oh, that's going to happen clearly. Okay. So. This was based on the 1981 documentary Exhausted John C. Holmes, the real story. And that's kind of who Dirk Diggler was based on. So this is actually based on a documentary. So Leo was the first choice for Dirk. Mm. Would have been really weird. He's too innocent, I yeah. think. Um, one of my favorite things I didn't know, so there's there's an award show where Dirk Diggler gets an award. And they the casting call was just for a bunch of people to show up in 70s clothes. They had no context. So after the speech was given for what the person won for – Half the audience got up and just left. They're like, we're not going to be in this. Wow. And so it like caused like two days of filming because they had to like shrink the room and get people <laughs> to stay and then come back, which is very funny. Then, you know, William H. Macy was uh, famously kind of like didn't his, his agent begged him not to read the script. He's like, please don't do this movie. And he read it and he was like, yeah, I love this movie. And the guy I mentioned earlier, this is kind of like big in folklore is, is Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds hates this movie. Wow. Like despises it fired his entire management team refused to do press won the golden globe and very much is believed didn't get the oscar because he refused to do anything and didn't stand behind the movie so very very interesting yeah it's like a good little hollywood riff that's crazy uh but this movie is like listen the script is brilliant there's not a single performance i would change um I wrote a note that PTA has a potential for my favorite director. Again, he just has a very specific aesthetic. He kind of has like a Wes Anderson thing too, where it's like, it, it looks like, smells like, feels like Paul Thomas Anderson. The, the, the only Wes Anderson thing he has is the Anderson. Okay, fair. I just, okay, uh, listen, I would, I would argue you on this because I actually think there's a lot of stuff he does that is very much him. The same way Nolan has that. Oh, you the same you way- just mean that, that the way Wes Anderson has his shtick, so does PTA. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's what totally I totally mean. agree. I, I meant comparing their filmmaking styles because I don't think. Oh yeah, yeah. no, they couldn't be further apart. But like, if if Wes Anderson did a Target commercial, I think both of us would be like, "Was that a Wes Anderson commercial?" Yeah, like you, you could would just know. know. You would know. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson has a, a very similar vein where I'm like, you could just feel that it feels like one of his things. Um, I like that it was like a weird thing to tackle. It's a weird industry to to approach. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, man, is just he. I, I think he's the actor of my generation. He was so good. He was so good in this in such a small role. Uh, it's just a great movie. It's an absolutely great movie. It's so much fun. It's one of those ones that if it could air on cable and it was on, I'd watch it all the time. But uh, it doesn't translate well to cable. Also, John C. Riley. Ah, God, I love John C. Riley. Fair enough. All right, the next one for me is a movie that has for a long time actually been in what I would consider my permanent top ten list, which we could talk about another time always has about three open slots because 
I just can't, you know, it's permanent. So once you go in, right. All right. Right. September 19th, 1984. Okay. It is uh, 88 on Metacritic. It is 83rd all-time IMDb, which I forgot to mention, several of these movies are in the top, like uh, Goodfellas is 17th of all-time on IMDb. Um, It has eight Oscar wins. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, the non-main cast includes a younger Christine Eber- obviously younger uh, Christine Ebersole and Jeffrey Jones better known as the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off yep uh, that's all it, it has the it, it actually is one of the most best performing soundtracks of all time despite no original anything on it oh I could have used this in my original non-original soundtracks directed by Milos Forman Buddy, I'm totally lost right now. Stars Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham. Amadeus. Oh, my God. I've never seen this movie. You've never seen Amadeus? Never seen it. Ooh, I want to put this in what you watch because I can do the whole... I could I could literally tell you the entire story at any given moment. <laughs> I've seen it many times. In fact, last year, they had a one of those, the New York Philharmonic, performing the, the soundtrack... The, the soundtrack performing Mozart's music from that is used in the soundtrack in real time while the movie's airing. They actually made a cut that works this way. So they actually strip out the score and then it's, it, it was beautiful. So some cool things about Amadeus. And by the way, I actually consider this like a near perfect film. It, it like whatever you would use to judge performances, story, script, cinematography. I mean, there's a reason it has eight Oscars. Uh, here's here are the few pieces of trivia that I'll throw out there for today, and then we'll move on from it. First of all, music professors studied the film. At no point, at anywhere in this movie, do they miss a note relative to what is played. So if you see a character hit a middle C, and there's a middle C out loud, they are correct. If when when a when someone touches the piano, whatever note you hear is the actual note, like for the entire movie. Uh, Everybody learned instruments, including Tom Hulse, who did not know how to play the piano going into this. Uh, there's a nice cameo by Kenny Baker, uh, which is Mr. R2-D2. Yeah. It only has four sets. So so when you do see... The, by the way, uh, we can do a Would You Watch, but I'm just going to just say, put this on your list the same way you did uh, Breaking Away. Just put it on. Yeah, no, I'll, well, I'll do what I just watched for this instead. Love it. So yeah, when you watch it, know that there were only four sets. The rest is all in location. It's the mid-80s. They filmed it in Prague. And the reason was Prague and Vienna actually have a lot of similarity architecturally. Uh, although I'm sure architectural purists would be like, no, they don't. But, you know, to my dumb eyes, they sure do. Same with a lot of other folks, as it appears. But because it was communist Czechoslovakia at the time, there weren't a lot of, like, antennas and power wires, like all the stuff that would pollute a modern streets. At the time, Prague wow. was still didn't have them. And they actually had uh, squads follow around all the filmmakers, like making sure they weren't doing, uh, you know, anti-commie stuff or whatever was going on there. <laughs> Look, we can always make fun of commies. Like they're not a protected class. We can, that, that, that's our last, when everything else can't make jokes about, well, that'll be who we have left to make fun of. And like ancient Romans, and that'll be it. Here's the cool thing. So Tom Hulse played Mozart phenomenally. Tim Curry, Mark Hamill, Mel Gibson, and Mick Jagger were all up for the role. 
Wow. I just want to think about that one more time. There is a role, it doesn't matter what, that Tim Curry, Mark Hamill, Mel Gibson, and Mick Jagger all went up for and all had a shot at. Tim Curry and Hamill actually played the part on Broadway because they there's a, oh, no, there's a play a musical adaptation musical theatrical play stage stage there's a staging stage stage yeah staging I think is right so there you go uh, okay I'll have to watch it man it's funny because so I try really hard this is just like fun insight into how we make the list I try really hard not to look things up right so like my first pass at this when I first put all this all my movies together I didn't go anywhere to to like I didn't Google made like you know based on a true story movie same same right so what i will occasionally do depending because i have been caught more than once when i'm done with the list is then go look really quick and do a fast run through and go did i really miss anything same same right so what this is also fun for our audience because we don't know how we do this either so this is kind of like both we're learning in real time together um and i saw amadeus on like the two lists that i referenced and both times went yeah i'm sure i guess but it's like I didn't put it in contender punk because I don't put anything I haven't seen. No, so I was like, yeah, I've never seen this. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I can't stay behind it. But cool. I'll listen. I'm excited to watch it. I love music. So I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Nice. Enjoy, sir. What you got next? Perfect. So here's my big. So this is going to be my last one because I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll call it after this one because I want to keep King's speech on the list. Yeah. And it's a perfect segue because I love music. So this will be my final entry. September 22nd, 2000. Uh, yeah, Metacritic of 90, won one Oscar, Jimmy Fallon, Anna Paquin, Fruza Balk. This is my next, Got this it. is my next one. Uh, then I'll steal this one from did, you. Did I, what was my text to you last night that we will have overlap for sure today? I was, yes. I was a hundred percent sure. I actually thought we would have three overlaps. That would be uh catch me if you can almost famous and Goodfellas. I thought all three would be overlaps. Right. Totally fair. Totally reasonable. So yeah, Cameron Crowe, uh, Almost Famous, is what this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, period. Hard stop. Uh, this movie has everything that I need a movie to have. It's about music. It has a great script. It has phenomenal acting. Uh, it's got like great, great, like just the way music is infused into it, the fact that it's about music. The thing I like the most about this, though, is that like this is about Cameron Crowe, right? Right. Like that's the, the cool part about this. So for those of you who don't know, because I, I think most people who know the movie probably are familiar, but if you're not Cameron Crowe actually was a Rolling Stone reporter. So this movie is kind of like a little bit of autobiographical in the sense that he wrote it about different times. Now, the truth is it wasn't still water. He was on a tour with the Allman brothers, right? He was in a near fatal plane crash, but it was, who was it? Uh, oh, uh, I read that. I don't remember now. It was the who, the who right? right? The, um, well, this is the one, by the way, when I said it's not strictly a true story because the events don't connect, this was the one I meant. Yeah, it's pieced together, right? So Russell Hammond, who's like this amazing character in the movie, was actually based on Glenn Frey yeah. from the Eagles. Uh, the Golden God moment, which is kind of like the, one of the seminal moments of this particular film, is actually a nod to Robert Plant, who did that. He's from like obviously from Zeppelin. I hope obviously from Zeppelin. Uh, so, but Robert Plant did that, like actually stone cold sober, not at a party, like just did that. So yeah, listen, my, the, the last piece of trivia that I forgot that I love about this Stillwater is a real band and Stillwater, 
like found out that this was a thing and they like went to Stillwater and said, Hey, we're using this name. We really like this name. And they read the script and they went, yeah, this is pretty cool. You should totally use our name. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you also get the part where the band, the, the movie version of Stillwater was rehearsing four hours a night, five nights a week for six weeks to do that so that they could be a band. So they could actually look like it. Yeah, I'm sure it's not nearly Amadeus level because as a guitar player, I watch this and go, that's not that song. But they look real enough. It's just like, as we talked about sort of with Catch Me If You Can, right? This is a really fun watch always. No matter what mood you're in, you can watch this movie. Agreed. Uh, It is the thing that will forever make me love Kate Hudson. She was so lovable is Penny Lane, like so lovable. Uh, again, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so talented. It's painful. Um, it's just so good. Everything about this movie makes me happy and I could watch it over and over again again. It's it's fun. It's, it's good though. It's also like film worthy good. Everything about the way it was shot, it's great. Agreed. Totally film level. Uh, I think a couple of interesting notes I, I, I went reasoning. Uh, so Billy Crudup was taught to play the guitar by Peter Frampton. Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> Do you know the movie's original title that Cameron Crowe pushed hard for and the studio wouldn't let happen? Unti- uh, untitled. He wanted to call it Untitled. And they're like, we can't do that. He's like, you're calling it Untitled. I guess they won, but it, apparently it was close. I was going to say, just very funny. So this is not about this movie, but same idea. So do you? So Paul Thomas Anderson put Boogie Nights the, the name Boogie Nights in the movie three times just so they couldn't change the title on him. <laughs> wow. Uh, I did not know that. So last cool thing, according to Cameron Crowe, when he was sending the script around town to see if anybody would be into it, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Spielberg, since we've been talking about him, read the script over a weekend, called him on Monday and said, direct every word. And then apparently did. Like almost, uh, apparently the cuts after that point were almost none. The thing that I found weirdest about this movie, have you read all like the, what, what the ringer would call the casting what ifs? I haven't read all of them. No. Insane. I can't, I, we don't even have time. I couldn't take the time to read them all, but just here's a sample of some of them who are up for the Penny Lane part. Christina Applegate, Selma Blair, Jennifer Connelly, Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Eliza Dushku, uh, Jenny Garth, Natasha Henstrich, Mila Jovovich, um, Thandie Newton, Gwyneth Paltrow, Franca Patente, Winona Ryder, Tori Spelling, Liv's Tyler, Rachel Weitz, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. That is a partial list. The same, there's equivalent lists for every other part. It's almost like they were like, who are all the really talented folks? Bring them in. Bring, no, oh, that one's got talent? Bring them in too. But as you said, wow. I wouldn't... This could have been Kate Hudson's only performance, as far as I'm concerned. It is like standout, absolute standout. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm not going to add any more to my list because instead I think we'll spend a little extra time on Pong and some of the really close ones. Okay. You want to do that? So, yeah, let's do that because I my, my Pong list is 46 deep. <laughs> I'm a little shorter. I think it was like 32. So what, but you had, so we stole one because you, we, you, you gave one because we were, we did triple over each other's list this week. So what was your other one that you had? You said you had two in the chamber. What was the one other one? The last one I cut today was, uh, 
Well, 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 I'll do minor stake. November 17th, 1960, an 87 on Metacritic, won four Oscars. Oh, Spartacus. Spartacus. Uh, yeah. Cool things here. First of all, I don't think I even knew this. Do you know Stanley Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick directed Spartacus and then disowned the movie. So didn't know that until I looked it up because I like that was that was one of the ones I wrote down. I'm like, oh, Spartacus is like based on a real thing. That's a thing. And I went back and I was like, that was Stanley Kubrick. I'm like, how is that possible? So, yeah, didn't know that, but found out because of this. Yeah. Phenomenal cast. Amazing trivia about like what the cast interactions with each other. Now, what I thought was fascinating also here is apparently everybody at like the top level of making this movie was unhappy about making this movie. The, the, the main actors, uh, the director, the producers, the writer, the cinematographer, everybody hated making this movie. Everybody almost quit at different times for different reasons. Uh, Kubrick is known to have is on record for thinking, for stating that the I am Spartacus scene sucked. He said it was quote, <laughs> a stupid idea. Um, oh that's great and then lastly it has a uh i think it is the largest but the cast is uh of, of um walk-ons is uh over ten thousand act uh, people in this movie for the battle scenes and whatnot Ten thousand five hundred oh. people that's all the people all of the people are in this movie so wow. yeah spartacus was my last cut and then uh what's what about you i know you had some final cuts so the only big one, which I mentioned earlier, because I knew it wouldn't be on your list and I knew it was safe, is The Big Sick. So The mm-hmm. Big Sick mm-hmm. uh, is Kamel Nanjahani, and it's, it's about him and his wife, Emily, and how they met. Ray Romano turns an amazing performance. It's a really sweet rom-com, but it's also just like actually a really beautifully done movie. Like it's it's very emotional. It's like it's I, I don't like when people say dark humor because that's not like it's not dark humor. Right. It's just like real life. It's like real life. Like you're laughing at moments and you you feel the things that are happening in it. I didn't bother with the trivia because, you know, yep. there's not much to it. But it's one of those things where, like, it's an 86 on Metacritic, which for a, a, com- a first-time writing credit comedy is a big it's good. number. It's, re- it's a really, really good movie. Have you seen it? I have not. It's been in my, ne- it's been in my queue forever. So the, I, I want you to do a So I Just Watch the Big Sick because this is the second time I brought it up on the podcast, and True. I stand behind it as actually, like, a beautiful film, and I'd be interested to see if you leave feeling the same way. Fair enough. My uh, and then my last, my next to last cut was uh, also actually an eighty-six on Metacritic. Funny enough, another December twenty-fifth release, which is apparently more common than we think. This one in nineteen seventy-five, and I'll name the cast in order of fame, and then we'll see if you get it by the last one, which you will. Well, you won't get the movie, but maybe Car- Carol King, Charles Durning, Chris Sarandon. Who's uh, known from? You might know him from uh, *Princess Bride*. Who's the count? Uh, John Cazale, otherwise known as Fredo, who has amazing trivia. We'll talk about it another time. And uh, Al Pacino. Serpico? Uh, no, Serpico's on the list uh, for Pong. Uh, *Dog Day Afternoon*. I love this movie. Oh, it's it's a bank heist gone wrong. With yeah, yeah. If you've never seen it again, it's it's not as high a must see. As Amadeus, which which is a must see, but it's it's up there, and it's got some famous things. Like you'll watch it, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's from that movie." It's got a few of those, so I'll leave that for there. So let's uh, should we go back into Pong? Should we go straight into Pong from here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just so I don't think there's a good way to guess this week because it would just be it would be dates alone. So I think probably we should just go one for one. Unless do you want to try to guess? I mean, we can try. 
No. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good without the guessing. I like the guessing. I like our games gamesmanship. But uh, I didn't prepare enough for it, so I'm not able to do it. <laughs> that's me. That's me if fessing up. You caught me, Brady. I don't have any info on these movies other than I like them a lot. So if there's any that stand out where you're like, I have one or two pieces of like actor or whatever trivia that you want to guess, just call it out. But for the most part, so I'll start with one. Wait, wait, was, you want to try, you want me, you want me to wing it? I'll name it. I'll name an actor or something from each movie. Uh, yeah, we could try to do that. I think I should be able to do that for all of them. Actor, by, by, actor decade, actor decade. Okay, sure. All right, go for it. Uh, okay. Uh, Bruce Willis, nineties. Die hard. Based on a true story. No. Just kidding. What? <laughs> I don't know. Apollo 13. Bruce no, no, no. I do this every single time. I do this every single time. Who are you For confusing some reason, Bruce Willis with? I'm not confusing Bruce Willis. I'm I'm confusing uh, Armageddon and that movie. The, those two <laughs> titles. We did this. This is the second time I've done this on the podcast, Jeremy. I did it when you did Apollo 13 for something else before, too. Armageddon it, man. Armageddon it. I'm, I'm, it's Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. Is that that's it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Jeez. Tom Hanks and the elite crew of drillers go to the surface of the moon to destroy it. <laughs> right. Uh, Mid 80s, Ben Kingsley. Oh, I don't know. Gandhi. Put it on the list. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. I'm about to name a bunch of movies that if you haven't seen, they should just all go on your list. And and now you're and, and the next few movies are, by the way, the ones that were like, how do I not include them? But I just don't, and you'll see why. Okay, I love Ben Kingsley though. Uh, what about uh, Val Kilmer from the '90s? Val Kilmer from the '90s. Oh, The Doors. Yes. Yeah. Sam Waterston, the guy from Law and Order. Uh, I know. Who he is. I think it's late '70s, early '80s, like right around '80. Yikes! Nothing. The Killing Fields. Yeah, just go see that too. Okay, just go see it. I have seen that. I have okay. seen that, but don't. Oh my god! Don't think I. This was, by the way, that one was one of mine. I really wanted in the list because I, I, I adore it. But it also is one of those like I'm not going to see it again because it's so dark. That uh, right. yeah, go. Fair enough. Uh, Jamie Fox, two thousands. Ray. Yep. George C. Scott, late sixties. George C. Scott, late sixties. Oh no. Oh no. I don't know. Patton. Oh no. I don't have that on the list. And that's a bummer because I have a hundred percent seen that. Oh, bummer. Okay. Uh, this is going to be super vague. Tom Hanks, 1990s. Castaway. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what? <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Uh, wait, that's based on a true story? It is. It's based on a, a group of brothers. Oh. It's, it's, it's actually based on a true story. Huh. Didn't know that. Uh, Steve McQueen, 60s. Actually, is several, but... Oh, did it say Bullet? Bullet's not one of them. Uh, Bullet's not a true story, but most of his other ones are. Uh, Great Escape. This one was hard. It was hard for me to not put this on the list. I love this movie so, so much. I'm, if we were doing this list again next week, Great Escape might actually go up there. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. It's so good. Okay. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. Recently? Have, like not. young you or, or mm, I mean, you're still young. No, like 20s me. It's been 10 plus years since I've watched it Okay. Again. All right. Uh, let's do Russell Crowe 2000s. Beautiful Mind. Yes, sir. Obi-Wan Kenobi, mid-60s. 
I'm confused. Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, which Obi Wan Kenobi? And you and McGregor was only like six years old then. No. I don't understand. Alec Guinness. I got it. Ooh, uh, okay. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. I just did that wrong. It's not Alec Guinness. It's the other guy. Oh my Uh-oh. god. Yeah, it's the other guy whose name's now escaping me. I'll have to. Uh, embarrassing. <laughs> Very embarrassing moment for me. But we'll come back to it. Okay, we'll do, uh, let's do Howard Stern in the 90s. Private Parts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one. Uh, I think 2000s, uh, Helen Mirren. Oh, uh, Queen Elizabeth? The Queen, yeah. The Queen, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you one actor, both in the 2000s, Eddie Redmayne. Theory of Everything. And another one. Les Mis? He also did The Danish Girl. Oh, never saw that. Yeah, it was actually, it's actually a really good movie. This one's sort of in your fun, but can do it anyway, dead giveaways. Uh, 2020, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hamilton? Yeah. Also was, I almost put it in the top five also. That's funny. I never would have thought to use that, but that's really, really clever. Based on the true story. Uh, <laughs> let's do Jake Gyllenhaal 2000s. Ooh. Bubble Boy? No, Jarhead. Right. Um, Leo DiCaprio, 2010s. The Revenant? Wolf of Wall Street. Also The Revenant, by the true. way. True. Based on a true story, I have both of those. Uh, let's do Ben Affleck, 2010s. Argo. Yes, sir. Uh, Kevin Costner, 90s. Kevin Costner, 90s. Oh, was he in JFK? He was. Okay, not on my list. So I'm actually very proud of myself for pulling that one out. Um, hey, look, The Great Escape's on my list. July 4th, 1963. Good for me. Well done. <laughs> uh, let's do Joaquin Phoenix, 2000s. Oh, I have this one. Uh, Walk the Line. Yes, sir. Uh, Johnny Depp, I want to say 2010s. Oh, um, maybe two thousand. What's the one? What's the one about? Is this the one about Whitey Bulger? No. Johnny Depp. Oh, Blow. No. Okay, well, those are both <laughs> also based on true stories. Yeah, so it's I, like I can't really argue, but uh, no, mine was Finding Neverland. I thought it was a beautiful film. Oh, okay. I had Blow because I actually thought that was a, even though that is not rated particularly well. It's a fifty-two on Metacritic, but it's pretty good. Fair enough. Uh, let's do Sean Penn, two thousands. Oh, oh, uh, what the Dead Men Walking? No, no, no. Milk. Oh, yes. Sorry, uh, that was a terrible guess. Uh, I don't even remember who's in this. Um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do. Uh, how about we'll do uh, Denzel Washington, 2000s. Hurricane. American Gangster. Uh, uh, Julia Roberts, 2000s. Also a strong contender for my final cut. Ooh, Aaron Brockovich. Yes. Yeah, really good movie. Uh, what about <laughs> Rami Malik in the 2010s? <laughs> oh, uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's right. Denzel Washington, uh, early 90s. Denzel Washington early. Oh, Malcolm X. Uh, no, that's a good choice, though. 
Uh, Glory. Glory. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, 70s. Oh, uh, I'm walking here. Uh, that one. Nope, no, not, that, not one. that one. Which one? All the President's Men. Oh, right. Uh, Julie Andrews, 60s. Oh, um... Oh come on! The hills, Whiskers on the hills kitten. Are What's alive. the name of that? I I know I've got Riff. the music, but I can't sound of music. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Tom Hanks in the two thousands. Passed away again. Charlie Wilson's War. Still not true. I guess okay. I don't remember anyone in this movie, but I had it on my list for a. I actually thought the movie was mediocre at best, but the book was amazing. The movie's called Twenty One. It's about those. Uh, those MIT kids? Jim Sturgis. Jim Sturgis. Jim Sturgis yeah, was right. in that movie. Right. I have that on my list. It was actually good. That was the the single lowest Metacritic rating that I have on my list out of yeah. 48. Uh, what about Cher in the 1980s? Mm, it's not Moonstruck. Silkwood? I don't know. M- mask? <laughs> oh, okay then. Christian Bale, 2010s. <laughs> oh, is this the pianist? No, that was... Uh, that's oh man, I, him and Adrian Brody, I always get confused. Yeah. This one also has Matt Damon. I don't know. Ford versus Ferrari. I just watched it like a few oh. weeks ago. It was great. I love that. Oh, that's a miss. Okay, I think the last one that I'll do, because uh, I've, I've got more, but we could do this forever. Uh, so what about, um, huh? Oh, uh, Benedict Cumberhoney in the 2010s. Imitation game. No, yeah, yes, that's sir. what it's called. Yeah, uh, yep. Hugh Jackman, twenty tens. Oh, um, oh, come on, the musical again. How come I get Greatest Showman? That's the one. I still have like three okay. more. If you've got, you want to do three more? Yeah, I've got, th- I've got three more. So I'll do. So let's do really quick. Uh, Mel Gibson, nineteen nineties. Braveheart. Yep. Which is, by the way, one of those like massively deep, like so little of that. It's next on my list, but it's uh, so little of it's actually true. It's amazing. So, so little. So, <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks, uh, 2000, 2010s, 2010s. Oh, is this the one? Uh, the Is it the pirate one or the Sully one? Pirate one, not the Sully one. <laughs> okay. Captain Phillips. Okay. okay. <laughs> what about... Um, What's the guy's name from Zombieland? I can't think of his name right now. He's super famous. Jesse Eisenberg from the 2010s. Batman versus Superman. Yes, Dawn of Justice. Right. <laughs> so, social Network. <laughs> uh, last two are more emotional choices than anything. Uh, Robin Williams, late 80s. Late 80s, I don't know. Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, good morning. It's the second week in a row that I've not had that movie and should have. That's all right. Uh, what about... Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, mid nineties. Oh, the school one, uh, dangerous, dangerous minds. minds. Yeah, and my last one is again Kevin Costner, again the nineties, and this is the most loosely based on a true story because most of the events portrayed in the movie don't happen. But I felt it was worth putting in the pong list because it's such a fun movie. No idea. You brought a knife to a gunfight, sir. Oh no, it's still not no there. the I Untouchables. Untouchables. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. See, that one I thought wasn't really based on a true story. Well, listen, if you're going to do that one, I'll end on one just like that. Okay. Which is uh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio in 2019. Mm. What? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, nice. Well played. Based on a, tr- based on a true story. <laughs> well played. Well, we've added one last thing uh, to our mix is that we're now 
pushing the top five list upon each other. So JT, are you ready for next week's list? It's it now JT wanted to stay on a similar theme. And so I decided to honor that request, though not exactly the way he might be thinking. Uh, these are top five movies based on video games. Oh, I'm down for this. Oh yeah, I you cannot, are. I can't wait to hear your number one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I knew you would like that pick. Okay, yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be fun. All right, well, listen, Jared, as always, this has been phenomenally fun. This week was a long and hard list, but uh, you know what? I think we nailed it. I think we do too. And one of the things, you know, well, I can't quote them. The, I'm not good with songs and all that, but like I was going to go with a whole, like you could see me in the auditorium, you know, <laughs> going with that. That was awful. <laughs> If we actually cut things like that, I would say to cut that, but you can leave it. Yeah, no, I'm not cutting that. That's going to stay forever. But hey, listen, it'll stay forever, just like we'll always be there for you. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. Hey.